Connecting for positive change. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Net Zero Talks podcast series brought to you by Innovate UK KTN. I'm Neilan Banks, Knowledge Transfer Manager for PLACE and the lead for the Net Zero Places Innovation Network. This is a programme that will be delivered over two years dedicated to supporting local authorities and agencies to connect, collaborate, inform. Before I introduce today's guests, let me give you a quick tour and useful information regarding series of podcasts and the Innovation Network. The Net Zero Talks has been created for you to hear about how other local authorities have reached Net Zero and delve into the Innovation Network activities of Innovate UK KTN. We work with local authorities to help identify the challenges to meet Net Zero, promote these challenges to our engaged innovators across sectors and collaborate with public buying organisations to make sure businesses and their solutions are procurement ready. Our goal is to provide practical insight into different topics on how to achieve net zero in places. If you haven't already, please go to Innovate UK KTN website through the link in the description and sign up to receive newsletters and updates on all of our activities. In this episode, we'll talk about the importance of local authorities to decarbonise buildings to meet net zero targets and with our special guest, Mike Mosley, Knowledge Transfer Manager in Constructions here at Innovate UK KTN and Joe Gay, Head of climate change at Southend City Council, um, we are certainly going to have an interesting discussion. So Mike and Joe, thank you very much for joining us today. And before we start, would you like to take a minute to introduce yourselves to the listeners? Thanks, Neelam. I'm, I'm Joe Gay. I'm Head of Climate Change at Southend City Council. I've been working in local authorities for about 20 years. I started off as a planner with an environment specialism and moved across to the uh, climate change, uh, environmental sustainability space uh, over the last few years. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with Mike. Hi, I'm Mike Mosley. I'm the Knowledge Transfer Manager for Construction. I've spent most of my working life in construction products, whole range of different things, have a lot of experience of things like district heating, ground source heating, uh, energy saving measures on homes. So I've got a sort of wealth of experience in that in that field and really interested to take part in this conversation. Thanks, guys. So let's go straight into the first question. So through your experience, what do you see as the biggest challenge to decarbonise buildings? If we go over to you first, Joe. That's a really, that's a really interesting question. And if I might, I'm going to take more than one challenge because I think there's a lot going on in this space. So I think as a local authority officer, it's really important for me to provide a bit of context. And that is that Local authorities have strategic objectives, corporate objectives, however they're defined in that space. But these objectives are often conflicting. So you will often find that there is a net zero carbon decarbonisation, environmental sustainability, ecological emergency um, objective. But equally, there will be something around kind of maximising a local economy and also kind of a planning regen housing target one. Um, and building houses or building buildings is carbon intensive. So for local authorities, the challenges are, are kind of tense from, from the get-go. But, but in response to your question, I think there are three main challenges that are very interconnected. Um, data is a huge issue. You can't manage what you can't monitor. So we really need to have a clear understanding of 
the building as an individual element of a wider system so that we can understand what the interventions will do and measure and monitor it on the other side. And it can be really challenging to find out that information. If it's a non-domestic building, there might be challenges around uh, commercial sensitivities or even building managers not really knowing what the building does. And with respect to residential, some similar challenges and EPCs, whilst helpful, don't provide a full picture. I think that probably the one that everyone thinks of first is money, and that's a huge challenge. Who's going to pay for it? Why? Is it a loan? Is it a grant? Can we afford it? It's really challenging. And then the other one I think that people often forget is around the engagement and education piece, not just for residents and communities, but also for on the non-domestic side. If you manage the building, whether that's because you're the branch manager or it's your own your own shop or whatever it is, do you really understand what your bills are saying? Do you really understand how your building operates? For the people that are doing the work, the installers, do they really understand this kind of shift and pivot in technology and are they able to provide the support that they need? For local authority officers, do we have the knowledge in-house? Are we outsourcing that kind of specialist technical knowledge to the right people? Um, I think actors within and outside of a local authority, everybody needs to raise their kind of base level of understanding. And without that, it doesn't matter how energy efficient or what zero carbon technologies you've got on your building. If the people in the building don't use the building correctly, it's, it's, not, an, it's not an appropriate building. Fascinating, Joe. So much, so much in there. Um, for me, I would, I would probably sort of put it a bit simpler. Actually, I think one of the the biggest challenge is the scale of it. Uh, you know, we've got we've got twenty eight million homes in the UK, and the vast majority of which need some measures to make them make them zero carbon and that's an enormous challenge then on top of that all the commercial buildings as well so there's 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 a huge amount to do and we're when we we've only just began to think about it without even really doing much there's been there's been a few interesting projects um that, that have sort of path leading ways but 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 there's nothing in scale that we're really doing to, to, to tackle what is an enormous problem that we've got, we've got to do. I, I love your, your your thing about data. I think I mean that's that's so interesting. I, it wasn't something I I thought about, but you know the data on 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 homes is 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 phenomenally difficult to get hold of. We you know we've got smart meters now, but that doesn't really give us the whole picture about energy loss. It might give us some information about how people are using energy because you know it's not only is it not only have we got to deal with the physical aspects of of, of saving CO two, the human um, the, the, the human behavior is going to play a huge huge part in that as well and we've got very little evidence and, and data that we can work on 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 that on, on human behavior so there's an enormous amount amount to do definitely agree it's huge brilliant thanks guys so the sheer scale by the sounds of it is going to be a big challenge followed by actually knowing what interventions to do through data-driven evidence i guess so that sounds really interesting um so going into the next question what support from central governments slash policies are there that can support the journey to decarbonizing buildings um mike if we go over to you first i think this is, there's there's a lot of talk there's a lot of interesting things going on um but 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 
a lot of it is not necessarily to do with buildings. So, so the you know the government have got lots of policies ar around decarbonising, uh, you know, power and looking at you know hydrogen alternative fuel. There's there's policies and, and work looking at using hydrogen as an alternative into into the gas gas network, which which has some some huge benefits and and some some possibilities ar around that. And there's there's quite a lot of intervention and work that's can that, that's going to help in that space. I think the the, the the sad part is that, that in when it sort of comes down to the individual buildings and the individual home owners, there doesn't seem to be very much at the moment from my from my view. Um, you know, there's the heat and building strategy, which is going to give you grants for uh, air source and uh, ground source and some biomass boilers changing your changing your boiler um, position. But the the area that I've always had a lot of um, time for is, is is around fabric. You know how how can we change fabric? There seems to be very little in the way of government policy in, in in fabric. I don't know whether it's me sort of from the from my position not got a good example of that. But that's my sort of quick summary of government government policy at the moment. I don't, Joe, you think that there's is there anything else? Am I, am I just being blind and miss some things? I'm not sure. No, I think I think the provision is really. Um kind of a bit bitty and a bit scattered which is why it feels like we often don't have a good handle on on what is available i feel like for people who um access certain benefits or who are kind of asset poor and cash poor there there is quite a lot of provision in terms of energy efficiency you can get your uh, cavity walls uh, filled um you can get new windows loft insulation so those kind of um low hanging fruit in terms of energy efficiency it's low hanging fruit but it's really important um i think in terms of for the public sector when we're starting to think about our assets there's the um decarbonization fund which was previously salix um and there are other things that are coming forward but i think one of the one of the challenges that as a local authority we face is that schemes are often brought in and removed quite quickly without really having a chance to see it go from beginning to end. I'm still reeling from um, uh, Code for Sustainable Homes being taken away. And that was, you know, years ago. And I'm, I'm still very kind of caught up in that whole issue. And I think for a lot of people that have been in the sector for a long time, this happens a lot, you know, Green Deal in whatever format it is, it comes in, it stays for a short period of time, and then it goes. And actually, the the process of accessing those funds can be quite challenging because the turnaround time is really tight. By the time you've submitted your bid, you've got what feels like two and a half minutes to get the delivery done and start monitoring before it's removed. So one thing I would say in terms of additional support is that just give local authorities and the other stakeholders that are involved in this process the time to do the work because it's not it's really not a straightforward and when you're doing these projects by consensus which is what it tends to be you know the more actors you have involved the longer it takes it seems almost as though we could we could do with taking this out of sort of party politics so that that, that you know you know there's there's some con there's there's a national consensus of, of what we've got to do because it is such a big problem that that you know the, the the politics the individual party politics of it needs to be stripped out we need to you know we need to look at the goals that we've got to achieve and how can we best do that as a as a community working to work working together to to to, to achieve those i spend quite a lot of time in in germany 
Germany. It's really interesting how how Germany have, have sort of they've they've done a lot with their buildings and they've done it over a long time with a single policy that has been in place for for years, regardless of sort of political changes. And 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 that that has brought greater benefits to to to, to what's what what's going on. But you know. I fear that, especially around the home-owning population, which is you know, very big in the UK, quite important in the UK, there's 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 little understanding or or, or a little drive to do anything around around fabric. Um, it, it, you know, the, the, we we've got a lot of discussion around oh heat pumps. You know, you can get five thousand pounds for, for for putting a heat pump in, and that's going to solve the problem. Well, it might do in some properties, but it's it's not in in the vast majority. You, you know, I, I'm very much. In favour of you know fabric first, you you you've got to reduce. You know you get much better out, outputs by reducing your heat loss than you do by putting fancy heating systems in. You've got to you've got to do all that first before then then looking at fancy heating systems. And, and uh, you know I fear that we'll go down this route of, of lo lots of heat pumps put in and uh, air source probably at that because they are basically cheaper the the, the cheaper one to install. And you have roads full of full of hundreds of air source heat pumps which are going to be noisy. Uh, will they really perform in 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 the way that that, that we, we we think? If you don't know what's happening to the building, it goes back to your point about data. If we haven't got that data on individual buildings, that's not going to give us the the ability to make make those decisions. So there's there's a huge huge issue around some of those things that that we just seem to be seem to be not tackling. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I think just to pick up on that as well, it feels like we're dealing with energy or decarbonisation in a silo. And I don't know if this is my town planner thinking, but it's like places are systems and we really need to take a whole systems approach. So whilst heat pumps are beneficial in terms of carbon reduction, there are other issues, you know, that, you know, are noisy and, you know, the kind of the localised heat element that, that comes around them. And if you don't think about the heat pump and the energy as part of a wider system, you you just create as many problems as you're trying to solve. So you know, as a as somebody who was previously a sustainability officer and has always kind of had the adaptation and mitigation parts of the programme as part of my role, it feels very much with everyone declaring a climate emergency that we're going down this very specific carbon reduction and energy path without thinking about things as a system and in their entirety, which which will lead to more problems the closer we get to 2013 South End's case. Mm. I, I, I'm a great advocate of, of community-based systems because I think I think it, when when you're decarbonising something, community-based systems can can give huge benefits. You know, you, you you might go down a route now. You know, if you had a small di community district heating scheme with one heat source, um, you, you get the benefit of you could put some heat source in that now, maybe an air source heat pump that 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 might meet the needs at the moment. But perhaps in ten years' time, there might be some other technology that could be used better and, and give you better carbon reduction and on a dis on a, on a community-based scheme that's more easy to go in and replace that one piece of kit that's serving a, a number of properties than it is to do it to, 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 to do it on an individual house property but we seem to be stuck in this idea that, that everybody must have their own boiler and be in control of their own boiler where actually there can be huge benefits from 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 working on on, on a community-based um, system and that, that's something I feel really passionate about that we we, we we want to go away from that and we just we just like to have this idea of owning our own, our own boiler which which is not going to I don't think going to be so suitable for the future that we, we've got to face. 
Okay, so we've already started going into some of the solutions, but what are the innovative solutions in this area that can help local authorities? Um, Mike, if we go over to you, you've already mentioned um, heat pumps not being the complete answer, which is absolutely right. Um, what are your other thoughts? What else have you seen out there? So I think you know that there there are. You know, I talked to, I talked about district heating. District heating, I think, is 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 quite an important part of uh, of the source. Um, heat pumps have have a really important role to play but we've got to remember that, that there's lots of different types of heat pumps as well so i think we've got to think about you know are you using the right sort of solution because lots of people just think of heat pumps as air source but actually you know you've got you've got um, you've got ground source systems and you've got a variety of different ground source systems you can have systems that are which are closed closed loops which are you know where you put pipe work into into either in, a, in sort of field layout uh, or you can get it out of boreholes or actually interestingly enough in, in commercial buildings you can actually use the building the piles that you built the building on as a as a heat source for for for, for heat pumps and there's quite a lot of interesting things going on in that a really interesting uh, innovate uk funded project which is looking at changing the way we put construction piles together reducing the amount of of, of, of concrete in the piles which has a huge benefit in the in, in area you put pipe work down to extract energy or, or even dump energy so there, there's there's you know we, we need to look at the whole the whole gambit of uh, of those of those things and, and how they can work so there's there's a there's lots of lot of areas in, in that so so it's it, it, you know there's a lot of wide areas that you can you can tackle that you need to look at in terms of heat sources but then again, my other point is is around you know um, how how do you reduce the amount of energy? That's there's a lot of technology. There's lots of things that we can do in in that space. There's a there's an interesting project that's uh, setting off in Wales where they are looking at doing drive by um, thermal imaging of, of of property to work out those properties that have got the worst performing windows. So you can just do that from doing doing sort of heat mapping of of what's there, and then then you can target the sort of the, the place that have got the worst performance so that you can you can look at trying to trying to change those that's quite interesting you can do that with sort of windows and then then you've got a lots of lots of things that you know external insulation or, or, or other insulation can really play a huge role in in doing that but it's it's a really difficult problem in in the UK market because we've got so many sort of brick clad buildings that, that that people don't want to change the 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 look of the building. They, you know, it's, it's it's part of their what they see as the value of it. And how do we tackle those those sort of things? There's a, there's an enormous problem around putting overcladding on 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 buildings. You know, when you've got grade grade listed buildings, the listing always out outweighs the need for any any energy conservation. So you you I think I saw some figures the other day. Buckingham Palace costs something like four and a half million pounds a year to heat and that's an enormous amount of amount of, uh, amount of money that energy that we're just wasting and that's because we've we've, we've got this sort of sense that, that that you know the the the, the look of the building is is got to be more important than than the the energy saving of it is that something we've got to change i don't know because it's it's it's, it's a huge huge problem for us here. it's it's a huge challenge and i'm i'm internally grimacing because as a planner, it's one of the main challenges that I used to face when I was sitting in a room with developers and, you know, the transport officers there, the you know, the planning officers there and the urban designers and conservation officers are there. 
And in that context, the urban designers and, and conservation officers always speak first after the developers done their presentation. And so it goes kind of all around the circle and then energy and environmental sustainability was last, at which point they always claim that they had no money to do any other measures. I think it's a really interesting point. And for me, it, it kind of highlights that the technology is not really where the innovation lies. You know, heat pumps as a, as a way of decarbonizing have been used in parts of Europe for decades successfully. The rollout has been very different from what we're seeing in the UK. And I think a lot of the technologies for us to do the majority of the decarbonization that we need to already exist. So it's not so much the innovation around the technology, it's about how we, as a, as a place or as a country, decide that we're going to really make that work and how we roll out that process. Um, and I think for me, a lot of the innovation comes from collaboration and from talking to people and from understanding different perspectives, from accepting that the solution is not one solution. It is a multifaceted, multi-layered horses for courses kind of approach. Um, the consensus building, which will enable us to do more of the community work that, that Mike has mentioned. I think those things are really key. And that kind of process, that kind of innovation takes time. You have to establish the relationship before you make the request from someone. Um, and I think that's where, if we can make that process happen and really kind of take the momentum that we've had from, from the pandemic to get more co-production, more meaningful co-production done, then I think we'll be in a better place to move forward with this. And that that's where the real innovation lies because we we don't we we haven't really worked like that in this space. It's always been like technical solution, you know, we the council tell you, as opposed to let's collectively have a conversation about what it is exactly that you want and why. Because I think the point about the kind of the historic buildings is interesting. For some people, those historic buildings, the aesthetic of them and the history related to it is primary importance. But there'll be lots of people who feel like, you know what, if we lose if we lose some significant things on this building, that's OK, because the function of the building takes priority over the form. It's, you know, there's, there's so much in that, isn't there? The, 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 this whole business about you know working together and, and and trying to trying to make make these make these things happen. I, I, my one of one of the experiences is we, I've done a lot of work in district heating, and that there's a, there's an enormous problem in that because actually with sort of a modern building, if you if you district heat a, a modern uh, um, house or apartment or whatever, you often find that the heat loss through distribution is greater than the heat used in 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 the building itself they're, they're, they're both quite small but you know it, 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 it's still quite a good way of doing it but you you end up with this sort of people saying well I'm paying for everybody else's heat well yeah you sort of are but we do that with some of our systems anyway I mean if we look at the sort of you know the gas network you know, people at the edge of the gas network it costs a lot more money to put that that network network into the edge of the gas network than it is in, in the central London where you're getting sort of lots of lots of people coming off the same same thing so we've 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 put those costs and, and, and accumulated them across the whole of the, the whole of the gas network and everyone pays us a standing charge for the distribution but in in heat people don't like that they say well i'm paying for somebody else's heat and, and we've got to have these conversations to understand how people will react to that and work to that and and, and how, how that how that works because it's that you know we've, we've got to change the way we do things and it, we, we we can't burn gas on, on our own boilers for, for, for forever now it's not it's not going to happen and and how we change those things is is fascinating and, and 
just a sort of thought that occurs to me was something I, I saw about human behaviour. There was a really interesting work that uh, Bath University did around human behaviour and it was a, the use of metres and, and how people responded and, and, and there was a lots of competition set up. And it was really, really fascinating that some of the outcomes of that, 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 that people would, would take part in that competition to see if they could be better than their neighbours as long as they didn't get about 5% behind or ahead once they once they went to the extremes the, the competitive edge was was completely lost and everybody says that they want figures to make the decisions and and, and they will react to figures and if you get sort of meters that, that give you the the amount that you're using in, in in figures people look at that and it's fine but actually the the, the research said that people change their behaviour better when they're given smiley faces. So if they're doing really well and, they, and the system gives them a smiley face, they will they will do more of it. If it gives them the figures, they, they don't, you know, it's too complicated, or not too complicated, but it takes more, but the, the smiley faces can drive them. And I think there's a lots of things here that we've got to do in this space to, to understand how we can help people work together and, 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 and bring some sort of community sense to how we, we, we heat our group of buildings together. Absolutely. And I think what's interesting as well is that these challenges that we're thinking about from a kind of engagement perspective, you know, different elements of what the public sector do. So waste, for example, with respect to recycling, there are very similar challenges that we face and the results are very similar. You know, there are lots of there are lots of ways to nudge people to change their behaviour. And it's about finding the motivation for them. So for some people, coming back to kind of energy and climate change for some people um you know saving the planet for future generations is is not their motivator for some it will be um you know prices so we can we can utilize this moment in time for that for others it will be you know keeping up with the joneses so it's really important to find what people's motivation is and to not be concerned about what the motivation is but really to just benefit from the outcome um so that we can get the result that we want in terms of decarbonizing buildings Thank you both for your answers. Very interesting, um, as always. Um, so going on to the final question, how can Net Zero Places Innovation Network help you to overcome the challenges to meet Net Zero? So that's a question really for you, Joe. I think it's really important to understand that small levels of support are really as important as kind of the, the larger things. So providing an opportunity and a space for local authority offices to get together and talk about their experiences share the pain and also share the successes. I think that sometimes in the spaces that we work in, we don't share our successes enough. Um, so that's really important. But I think it's also important that we have access to experts like Mike so that we can get uh, an independent perspective and have an opportunity to use that expertise to provide a kind of a critical friend approach so that we can really understand when we're approached by developers or by you know product manufacturers who are claiming, you know, amazing returns in different areas, that we have somebody that we can just confirm that what we're being told is right, or that actually what we're being told is right in the context of buildings in our area, because there are lots of ways to cut the pie. There are lots of technologies. There are lots of different ways to do things. And I think sometimes just having some independent specialist technical support to, to just make sure that it does make sense for us is really helpful. 
interesting the, the, the critical friend piece is, is something i've sort of thought about quite a lot and do, do you think there's a there will be a role where local authorities might be that sort of go-to place for advice uh, around you know unbiased report, advice and is that something that the, the 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 network can help provide i suppose absolutely i think for a lot of people whether they're um, living in a community or they've got businesses in that community they have a lot of touch points with a local authority, you know, all different kinds of things. And so the perspective of the local authority as a safe pair of hands, I think, regardless of whether, you know, that's a good or a bad thing for that person, I think that is a shared perspective and, and a commonality. So for many people, if they want to find out information about whether heat pumps are right for them, they will go to the local authority first. And it's really important that we are able to provide provice that is clear and independent and actually make sense for them because if we don't provide the appropriate advice then what comes back is a barrage of of pain for us so having support to ensure that we are saying the right things as you mentioned previously you know regardless of the political administration but just that you know this is a group of suppliers that we have you know understand that we know understand these technologies these are you know the appropriate areas in this region to you know, put an air source peak pump, if you live in that region, actually you should look at other technologies. I think that kind of information is really important. And as much as local authorities can't go down to kind of specifically, you know, this brand over that brand, that kind of medium to high level kind of this technology makes sense in this area. And here are some people that we that we understand will be able to provide you with good, honest support. That's definitely something that local authorities are looking at. It's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I spent, you know, I've I've spent most of my life in commercial applications, but I've always found that that if you if you give that advice in an unbiased way and talk about what the benefits and and the disadvantages are, you get much better much better buy in. And we do get we do get bombarded by a lot of people who just see themselves as sort of uh, as as the this snake oil salesman. Who did and you don't get that. You know what are what are the what are the unbiased parts of it? Because there, there are. As you say, all these different variations in different properties, different places that that that, that will different schemes will, will work for those, and it is it is a, a complicated landscape. And I, I think we we want a a simple answer, and there, there's there's not simple answers, and 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 I think that's that's a sort of problem of our age isn't it almost where you sort of you get off and get a simple answer that's what I do whereas actually some of these some of the most of these things are going to be incredibly complicated and you've got to balance what you want want to do on your you know if you're talking about an individual one is property well you know what's the what's the benefit of putting external insulation on, on that compared to it, perhaps some internal insulation or just doing some other other things and then you know, you've got the whole business for me one of the areas that I find interesting is that when you when you seal up a building you've then got all sorts of issues around air quality and what you do around that so it, it becomes very very complicated situation all, all the time that we need we need independent advice to help us with absolutely but i think the complexity is part of the fun isn't it yes oh yes absolutely <laughs> And I've I've done some of these things myself. There's, there's lots of pictures of me covered in mud, having tried to to do some of these these technologies. So uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Joe and Mike, for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the discussion as much as we did. We have added the useful links and direct link to the Innovate UK KTN website in the description. Don't forget to sign up to receive newsletters 
of the latest updates of our activities. And in the next episode, we'll be exploring decarbonisation of transport, specifically around electric vehicles. So thanks again for following us and we hope you enjoyed this episode and you will come back for more. Until next time, bye. Connecting for positive change.